How many of you enjoyed Fight Club so far? Amen. Praise God. Um, I, I just want you to know, I, I'm very excited. Today is round three. Finally, it is my opportunity to enter the ring and uh, to continue this series that God has prepped our team uh, to, to share with you. Uh, before we hear the Word of God, I pray uh, because I need prayer. Uh, you don't. So pray for me so that I'll deliver a proper and a good strong word for everyone. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. God, as we come to hear the teaching of the Word of God, Father, let it birth forth from within us that ability to just do the work of God, believe in you and trust in you, Father, and not just, and not just a good word that entertain us or tingle our ear and just make us feel good. Father, I pray something will birth forth as a result of this in Jesus' most precious name we pray and all of God's people say, Amen. Uh, recently, my, my son, Zen Zen, uh, every time it is my son, it is because he's naughty. All right? It's not Esther's son. Uh, when he's a good boy, then he's our son. Uh, recently, when, when my Zen Zen uh, in the car uh, wanted the brother's cap, it belonged to his brother. And so he, he went to his brother. And you must remember, the brother is 12. He's three, three and a half. Uh, the brother is 12 and a half. So, so the brother was wearing his cap, sitting in the car quietly, doing his own thing, minding his own business. Zen Zen decided that he wanted the brother's cap, went over to him, fought with the brother, tried to grab the brother's cap, and the brother just kind of like swiped him away. He fell off from where the brother was sitting into the back of the car, because I drive a CRV. And along, while he was falling down in the car, broke the umbrella and cut his face. All that happened when my pretty, demure, calm wife was driving the car. That night, when I came home, he, after all the anger, the jealousy, the emotion were all gone, uh, he said to me, Papa, I fought with Coco today for the cap. See, I cut my face. And I said, so, did you win or did you lose? He said, I lost. <laughs> but never mind. I will take the cap one day. There is an inner desire. There is an inborn desire on the inside of all of us. The desire to fight. To fight for something in our lives. If you were to trace back your life, even right now, there is something that you are fighting for. When you were younger, maybe you were fighting for better grades. Maybe you were fighting to be top in the class. Maybe you were fighting to win the 100 meter in your school. I, I want, I, I, when I was getting ready this text, I remember there was one time, because growing up, I was very, I was very sporty. I, I love sports more than I love studying. And I would play football all the time. And uh, I begged my dad to buy me a soccer ball. And uh, we would take the soccer ball, all the kids from our flat, and go to other people's kampong and challenge other people's football team. At 12, we were doing that. And, and that was growing up for me in, uh, in, in Sabah. And, and, but I never realized that I could run, even though I was playing football all the time. So when I was in primary six, 
And that was my final year in primary school. I thought, we're the oldest now. Who else can run faster than us if I don't give it a try? So I went for the trial and I did my first 100 meter race. I shocked my school. I shocked myself. I shocked the top runner in my school. I was just losing to him by a fraction of a second. There is that desire in all of us to fight for something to fight for your future, to fight for your family, to fight for your marriage. And so I want us to know, maybe along the way, maybe you have grown older. Along the way, maybe you have become more mature and people say that, oh, you, you shouldn't be so naive anymore. Dreams are not going to happen. That's why they are called dreams in the first place. And, and so maybe you are too ambitious you bury your dream, you bury your hope, you bury all the things that God has given to you. But today, I want to tell you that you must still continue your fight. There must still be something on the inside of you that want to fight for something better in your life. I want you to know cuts and bruises will always be there along the way. I remember when I was growing up, there were not many days that my legs, my hand, my ankle, my elbow were not fractured or bandaged. It was an abnormal day if I could walk straight without any limp or broken arms. And that is precisely the reason why I am so excited about this series that we are preparing because we are talking about fights. Everybody say fight. Oh, I can't, come on. Everybody say fight. One more time. Fight. Fight like one church can or not. One, two, three. That's good. And in round one, Pastor Keith showed us how God became flesh and allowed Jacob the opportunity to fight with him to produce a clinging faith and hope in God instead of wrestling to trust in his flesh. God did not need to become flesh to fight with Jacob. There was no competition at all. But God allowed that to happen so that Jacob may know God and know himself better. In round two, Kaysen talked about the first strike. And we learned that our understanding of God determines our confidence in Him that eventually leads to our choices and also the conquests that we made in life. So in round one, we talked about the first fight, in round two, we talk about the first strike. Today, in round three, I want to share with you this title of my sermon, Jealous God. It is in round three that the jealous God enters the ring and fight. If you have your gadgets with you, turn with me to Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14, and otherwise, you can look at the screen. Exodus 34 and verse 14. The Bible says here, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. The Bible tells us, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. I am not sure. When was the last time somebody tried to tell you what does a jealous God mean? When I was younger, the first time, when I heard about jealous God, I was offended. I was very upset. In fact, it was uh, Jia Hao's uncle, Jia Hao's here today, uh, who first taught us about 
this God is a jealous God. I'm like, how can God be jealous? God is not jealous. But because I was so young, there wasn't the ability for me to understand what that means. And, but I never went to understand better, but that was me. And, and so now that I've grown, I have read the Bible, I've grown up in my faith, I'm more able to tackle a difficult subject like God is a jealous God. But why was it difficult? Because jealousy. The mention of jealousy straight away brings to mind all the negative experiences that we have heard or we probably had experienced before in our lives. The, the jealous boyfriend that is always, you know, angry and always checking on you. Maybe that was the thing that you think about when you think about a jealous God. Or maybe you are coveting something that people have that you do not have. You are coveting uh, because you're jealous. When we were growing up as guys, like as guys, and then when you see a younger guy driving a car nicer than ours or a sports car, immediately, che, me, papa, me. the father's car, what? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right? Or, che, it's not his money or so. And, and that, those are jealousy that we think of the moment we think about all these words as such as jealousy. Jealousy is a bad and a negative word in our culture. It is rightly so. But when you look at the Bible, it is to add insult to injury. Uh, God does not only act in jealous ways. God's name is jealous. The Bible tells us that God's nature is jealous. And so you were wondering, God, if there are so many attributes, there are so many character and nature you can have, why must jealousy be one of your nature? And before we can understand that, or before we can go deeper into tackling the jealousy issue of God, we have to first understand the nature of God. There are four things about God, and these are very theological. I cannot skip it because uh, you may not have a full understanding. So I want to show you four things. God is a God, number one, is a God of simplicity. A God of simplicity means His essence and His attributes are identical. The essence of God is who God is. His attributes is who, uh, the, the nature of who He is, they are the same. Our essence and our attributes are not identical because we're human. There's a sinful nature on the inside of us, but God is totally different. That's number one. Number two, our God is a God of eternality. That means God is timeless. Where God exists, time does not exist, which means it is always the same in the realm of God. The best way I can illustrate this to you is that if we bring an apple from here and bring it to the realm of God, that apple will not rot. Why? Because expiry has got to do with time. Expiry has got to do with dates. And so where God is, He is timeless. So God is in the sphere where He is unchanging. And that leads me to the third nature of God, the immutability, immutability of God, immutability of God. He does not change because God is constant. We change because 
we are in a sphere where time exists. Number four, it is the impassibility of God. That means God is not subject to emotional fluctuation and suffering. Pastor Andrew is not here. He'll be proud of me that uh, I'm attempting to clarify these four things about the nature of God. I'll, I'll take you further, okay? Don't worry. So as such, God is not subject to an uncontrolled, unrighteous mood swing where these emotions can get the best of Him. God is not constantly changing and fluctuating. You don't wake up one day and then you heard, oh, God has given up on you. He does not love you anymore. Uh, God changed His mind about you. Therefore, He's not focusing on you anymore. God is jealous. It was not as if God was not jealous before. God has always been jealous. I will explain this further, but don't worry about it. But it was not something happened and then it made Him jealous. By nature, by who He is, God is a jealous God. But why? Matthew Barrett said this, say jealousy captures God's ardent commitment to bring glory to Himself as well as His command that we, His followers, not compromise our exclusive consecration to Him. In Scripture, divine jealousy reflects God's love, but it is an intolerant love, a love that will not permit His glory to be muddied by His people's idolatry. The Bible tells us that the jealousy of God has got twofold. Number one is to protect the glory that belongs to Him. God is jealous because that glory is His and that was His alone. Number two, God is jealous because all the glory that we have to give, that we can give, that we want to give, has got to be given exclusively to God alone. And this is an ardent love. This is a strong, committed love, intolerant love. Everybody say with me, say intolerant. It is a strong love. It is a fierce love. I want you to know we want to build a church where we are fiercely loving of the people around us. Amen. We, we have to realize that God being kind, God being gentle, is not God being soft. We are confused. Sometimes we, we get all this all jumbled up. Oh, God is a good God. Therefore, He's a loving God. He's a kind God. He's a gentle God. God is soft as well. Let me, let me tell you when your love should not be soft. If you see a child crossing the road and you see a truck coming down from the top end of the hill leading to where the child is crossing the road, I want to ask you, what are you going to do? You are not going to show the child a soft love. Hey, baby, oh boy, you know what? I really think you should walk a bit faster because the truck is going to run you down. Otherwise, you will get killed. Would you like to think about it? How, how, how about I give you some space to discover whether it is really something that you want? No! You don't do that. Are you with me? You will run out to the road and push the child away from danger of the truck that is coming 
that will potentially kill the child. I don't want us as a church to confuse softness with gentle. And just because sometimes, oh, you know what? Oh, I don't like this leader. I don't like this boss. I don't like this company because they are so rude. They are angry. They are scolding me. Maybe God is developing resilience on the inside of you. Maybe God is building strength on the inside of you. Don't be a soft generation. The only thing that should be soft is a toilet paper. Are you guys with me? Hey, I'm not hearing you. Are you guys with me? And when you become parents, you got to raise your kid to be strong. I don't want Aiton to be soft. I don't want him to not be able to make decisions and look after his own life. I don't want him to, after get married, his wife keep coming to us and say, Pastor, your son cannot make it. I don't want that. Are you guys with me? And I don't want our youth to be soft, to be lumber, and not being able to do anything that God has put in their lives to do. But you say, Pastor, if God is a jealous God, if this is how God behaves, and He's trying to protect His own glory, and He wants people to worship Him, isn't this God a bit selfish? Isn't this God a bit narcissistic? That is only thinking about Himself. God is not like human. And let me explain to you what is this. God is someone than whom none greater can be conceived. He's the perfect being. A theologian by the name of Ansem said this. He said, Ansem does not mean because as we are prone to think that God is just a bigger, better version of who we are, merely greater in measure or in quantity. So when people think about God, when people think about Jesus, oh, Jesus, it's just like any other person, maybe he's a bit better. Maybe he's just a better version of human. Maybe he's a good man. Uh, maybe he's just slightly above who he thinks he may be. But, and some say, God is not like that. Rather, God is a different type of being altogether. He's not merely greater in size. He's greater in essence. That means there is no comparison to God. God is in a league of His own. God is not one of the gods. God is not one of the many options that we can have in life. I remember when I was younger, I asked my dad, I said, Dad, who is God? He said, God is God. So I said, who made God? He said, nobody made God. If somebody made God, then that somebody is greater than God. So God always existed. So God existed before me? He said, yes. God existed before us. And God existed before the foundation of the world. And so He is a league on His own. There is no comparison. For His divine presence and His divine essence is immeasurable, unbounded, and incomprehensible. In a word, He is the perfect being because He is the infinite being what the church fathers in the early days call the pure being or the pure act. Now, I'm establishing this as a foundation. I know there's a lot of words that we have not heard before and uh, the concept is so new to all of us. But what 
the author is trying to tell us is this, that God is not equal with any other beings that we do know. God is jealous because he must be distinguished from the rest. He's not just slightly higher, slightly better. He's in a league of his own. The best way to understand this jealousy of God from a human perspective is seeing it through the lens of marriage. How many of you are married here this morning? One, two, three, raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand, all right? How many of you, you are in a relationship with somebody but you're not yet married? Okay. Wow, the future is bleak. Nobody? One more time, one more time. All right. You better raise your hand, otherwise your girlfriend is going to pinch you. Okay. The best way to understand God's jealousy is through a human relationship in a marriage or in a courtship relationship. You see, we must protect the sanctity of our marriage because it is meant to be exclusive. And that's the thing that distinguishes my wife with all the other women around me or that I know. She must be distinguished. She has no comparison. And so this is the thing that God is trying to highlight to us that there is no comparison to Him. That means if there's a third party trying to get into the midst of our marriage, both of us must fiercely protect our marriage and not let anybody or anything come between us. Are you guys with me this morning? I have to make it exclusive. I want my wife to know that she is not one among many. She is not one of the options. She is only. So my wife get into, got into running recently and uh, she, she runs a lot and compared to me, oh my God, I, because I hurt myself, I don't run. I didn't run at all this year. So on, on Friday, on Friday, I was out in a meeting and, uh, and I was coming home. My wife suddenly texted me and said, Han, the dark clouds are coming. When I first read it, I read wrongly. I thought she was saying that her eye cloud was not working. And then, the dark clouds are coming. Faster, come home. We have to go run already. So I got home. She was already changed. But when I look out, there was already started raining far away. She said, go, go, go. Faster, faster. You know, I love my wife. It was a birthday. But uh, wow, I have to quickly change and go run. I keep thinking to myself, I'm not going to make it back because if you start running now, I'll be all wet. I don't want to go running and then somehow with lightning and thunder. No, 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 no. So I was, you know, trying to dilly-dally. It's a, a longer way of saying no. I turned around, she already left. <laughs> so she left. Then I keep looking at the clouds. So I was sitting on my, in, my, in our bedroom looking out the window and just see where is my wife. In the 23rd minute, she left the house. The rain started to pour and I counted. 23rd minute, she's probably three kilometers away or either she's going there or she's heading back. But as far as my eyes could see, uh, I couldn't see my wife. So I decided to get into the car and drove the car to find my wife. And then when I went out and I saw her, I wind down the window, I, beep, 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 come back, you, come back, in the car. She was like, oh, I will leave very fast, hun, I will leave very fast. I don't care how fast you are, you get into the car now. 
I want you to know, right? I didn't drive out the car like the marathon sweeper bus to sweep all those that cannot meet the cutoff time. I was not going to drive my car and drive around my area and pick up every other women that are caught in the rain. They are not my problem. They have their husband to pick them up. Not my job. Are you with me? My wife must be distinguished from every other woman. And that is how God and righteous jealousy is being defined. The husband must be seen as the husband. Are you all with me? Not the first, but the only choice. The wife must be seen as the wife, the only woman that matter. Are you guys with me? The, the wife must not be seen as the first priority, but his only object of love and commitment. Because if I, all my life's commitment and love is shown to my wife, it gives her her identity, it gives me my identity. In a healthy marriage, none of us should be drowned in anybody. In a healthy marriage, the identity of who we are should come now even more. Because why? We should be the best for each other. And I want you to know, church, that this is why God is ardently protecting His glory. Idolatry is having comparisons and options with God. That God is not single out anymore. God is not distinguished anymore. And that is why when a husband and a wife quarrel, never ever, everybody say never ever. Never ever say, you are not even as good as somebody's wife. You are not even as good as somebody's husband. Look at so-and-so husband. He is so much better than you. Church, I want you to know that is the cardinal sin of every marriage. It is not because you are mentioning another man's name or not because you are mentioning another woman's name, but now you are making the other person equal with the spouse that you have married. Where that honour only belongs to your husband or your wife. And that is why God is a jealous God. God must be distinguished. God must be separate from the rest. And I want you to know this too. You know, in our younger generation, I want you to know, you know, recently my wife told me a story of uh, young people these days have what we call open relationship. I have not. My time, there was no such thing as open relationship. We only have parents don't allow relationship. <laughs> right. Open relationship is what? Open relationship means I'm going out with this girl, but at the same time, I can see other girls. Open relationship is you can go out with this guy, but you can see other guys at the same time. It sounded very nice, righteous, hipster, modern. But I want you to know, it is something that you start, but you are not able to handle the consequence as a result of the broken relationship because you think open relationship is cool. 
Husband and wives, listen. There cannot be any relationship with your exes. There cannot be casual meeting or constant meeting or... No, it's not possible. You cannot find your exes anymore. Are you guys with me? Because that is the number one reason that causes affair to happen. So, don't keep a secret number of your ex. You put boss. Long lost cousin. Don't do that. Unless you don't want your marriage. Are you guys with me? Never compare your spouse with others. And that is why God is adamant that His glory belongs to Him because it was His and His alone. And everybody say, God cannot be one of the options. He is God and He alone is God. Whereas jealousy is protecting what is yours, envy is covering what belongs to others. When you want something that belongs to others, it's not called jealousy. It's called envy. In Isaiah 45, verse 5 to verse 6, it says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you. Though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. And now, when you read this verse again, you realize why God is protecting His glory and why God wants you to have all the glory that belongs to Him, that do His name, is lifted up to Him. Why? Because there is none in comparison with God. So God cannot be one of your many options. To begin with, if God's jealousy is to protect His glory, and if God is the only God that exists with no others close to who He is, the implication for us as a Christian must be great. What does it mean if the God whom we worship is a God without comparison? That He's a being that nothing comes close. God is not a God where you're driving a Mazda, you upgrade to a BMW. No, God is not that upgrade. Are you guys with me? You're staying in a flat, you're moving up to a condo. No, it's not that. God is totally beyond our imagination. That is God. And so God's jealousy for His glory, if that is so crucial, it defines who we are. We have been made in God's image to glorify Him. And that is not antithetical to our joy, but it is essential to our joy. As the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. There is this thing in the Scripture to tell us and to reflect for us that we are created ultimately to enjoy the glory of God forever. I don't know what you enjoy today. Some of us, maybe we enjoy movies, maybe we enjoy traveling or eating, 
or, or, or dancing or singing. But God says, and God's design for us is to enjoy Him forever. That enjoyment of God must be way greater, way more fulfilling than all that we're doing at this point right now. And so, if God's jealousy is for your joy, then God's jealousy is not selfish. But I have a question today, that if God is not jealous, will God sacrifice His best for us? If you are not jealous for your family, will you sacrifice? Maybe you will give a donation. Maybe you will just give something. But it is only when you are jealously protecting what is yours that you are able to give more than what you are able to give. We learn about God's jealousy today. The knowledge of God does not change God. Are you with me? God is constant. He is timeless. He is unchanging. But the knowledge of God changes us, changes how we live and how we want everyday life to be. What does God's jealousy produce in us? You know, uh, I don't do counselling very often, but uh, I do from time to time because I don't have a lot of patience, which is uh, widely known. So, sometimes I do counselling. I, uh, I see people, uh, Pastor, we, we, are, we are together now and it's going to be a long-distance relationship. Uh, we're going to be separated for a year and uh, they're, they're all so sad. I look at them, they're all so sad. And then when they go to airport, they send their girlfriend off or their boyfriend off. They're all crying like, Ooh. and then I, sometimes I drive them home. Then they're crying the whole time. I say, "Are you okay?" No, I miss him already. <laughs> I say, "But it's only one year." Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know what she's missing him. Maybe she missed him because he's, he was the driver, you know. Now I got to take grab. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So they cry. And then, uh, we're meant for each other. <laughs> it's away. How? How am I going to live? I said, how long is he going to be away? Nine months. The company is so cruel. Send him away. <laughs> the parents don't want us to be together. That's why I send him away. <laughs> cry, 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 cry. But it's okay. I will wait for him to come back because our love is true. We'll always come back for each other. Ooh, three weeks later, Pastor, we broke up already. Huh? <laughs> so fast. What happened? Yeah. No more feeling. That's when I tell my story. Esther and I were in LDR. If you do not know what is LDR, Pastor Keith said it's Leadership Development Rhythm. <laughs> <coughs> Long distance relationship. Esther and I got started and uh, almost right immediately, it was a long-distance relationship. We were in long-distance relationship for like six, seven years. Long. And in our time, we don't have the benefit of FaceTime, uh, WhatsApp call, WhatsApp video call, don't have. We, we used to talk through buying phone cards. Have you heard of this term before? Phone cards, uniphone. Do you know what's uniphone? 
So we had 50 ringgit. I have to save up my money to buy one phone card. And then it's not random one. Our phone calls are fixed Sunday night. And uh, my wife is very gracious. She has to wait until I finish everything, talk to all the leaders. Then it is my time with her. She has endured that. I'm very sorry. I love you. I both fun everything, okay? So, because you have 15 minutes, you cannot have empty, meaningless weather talk. You cannot like, hey, Sydney call or not, ah? Uh? Cannot, cannot. You, through, through, the moment the phone gets through, hi dear, how are you? How was your week? What did you do? All right, are you, are you okay? Are you, are you well? Did you eat enough or not? When is the exam coming? How was your grades? Did you meet your friend? Oh, what? So you have a list. And then after that, it was her turn. So how about you? Oh, church is good. Church is fine. Uh, I'm training up new leaders. The whole cell group just multiplied and uh, we're doing this and uh, things are good. Okay, uh, I, and I would just keep talking very fast and I love you, dear, before she can... I do. <laughs> Honestly, that was the only thing you wanted to hear. That she says, I love you, but you never get a chance to hear it because it's already cut off. I think we learn interview through all these phone cuts. It was not a date. It was purely an interview. And that was how we were in our time. And, but we, I say we lah. But me, I was adamant that we were going to get married. I was adamant that this is going to be the woman that I spent the rest of my life with. So, she knows, I know, because that's what I always tell her. It gave us a lot of freedom, a lot of liberty, a lot of trust, and a lot of confidence in our relationship. She continued to enjoy her studies in Sydney, do well in a school, hang out with her friends, go to gym, do things that she likes. And I continued to plow and build this church, train up leaders. There, there was no question of Oh, are you seeing another person? Or, or, or she will tell me, it's okay one, when I'm not around, you can meet other girls. There's no such thing. We make sure that we look forward to the day that both of us will be married. And I want you to know, God's jealousy in protecting this relationship with you and I has a reason. And that reason is to give you the confidence so that you go and live your life. So that you go and enjoy your life to the full that God has given to you. I want us to go back to the scripture. In Exodus chapter 34 and verse 10. And the Bible says, Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. God says, I'm making a covenant with you. This covenant that God is making with you so that you, He becomes our God and we become His people. That when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, we have a covenant relationship with God. But I want you to know, God did not just send Jesus to die for you so that you go to heaven. If God wants you to just go to heaven, we should all be killed the moment we give our hearts to Jesus and straight away transported into heaven. And I think for too long, the church, I think for too long, the believers, the Christian, the way we've been teaching our church, that when God make a covenant with us, we are so preoccupied with the elimination of sin. 
Oh, my sins forgiven. Oh, God. Oh, today I sin against God. Tonight I go home, I must confess my sin. Oh, I have wronged God. We are so preoccupied with sin. I am not saying you should not confess your sin when you have done wrong. But God did not send Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that your sins will be forgiven and then that's it. And every day God is checking on you. Hannah, today you sin. All right, Sam, you sin. Little, you sin. Jordan, you sin. So now I'm coming after you. God did not make a covenant so that you will always be reminded of the sin that you have committed. Esther and I are not married so that forever I cannot go out and meet other girls and he cannot meet other men. If that is the covenant that we made to each other on the day we got married, it must be the most miserable marriage vows that we ever made to each other. But the marriage covenant that we made is so that we can bring out the best from each other, so that we can enjoy this life that God has given to us. We can raise a beautiful family. We can raise the children in the fear of God. We can do well. We can pursue our dreams. We can live our lives. Church, I want you to know that God did not make a covenant with you so that you live in fear forever, thinking that you have sinned, you're not good enough, you don't measure up, you're disappointed, you are broken, you are a nobody, you have no hope, you have no future, and all you need to do is wait until the day you die and you go to heaven. Church, I want you to know that is a lie from the devil. God wants more out of that relationship with you, out of that covenant with you, what does the Bible say? Next verse, it says, Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. God made a covenant with you so that through you, God can do wonders the world has never seen. That the works of God that God wants to do through His people, because in existence there's a covenant relationship, that only the people of God can achieve. So I don't want us to come to church, God, oh, I'm broken. God, I'm useless. God, I'm a nobody. Enough! If you are going to fight, you're going to get hurt. But hurt is not the end of the fight. Hurt is a part of the fight. Are you guys with me? You cannot want to do a dream, and, but you are not expecting hardships. You cannot pursue a hope and you think that it's going to be easy. If something is worth fighting for, it needs to be demanded in our lives. It cannot be served to us on a platter. God is making a covenant so that through us, the world will see the wonders that God can do. Not only that, the people you live among, your neighbors, your colleagues, your friends, your family, the Bible says, we'll see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. So that people around you will see how awesome is the work that God will do for you. That means, church, from this very moment onwards, you got to work with partnership with God and then God will do something through you, for you, that the people will know that you are a covenanted people with God. 
don't live an average, mediocre, measure up to nothing kind of a Christian life. Don't live your life like that. Are you with me? If you have hopes, you have dreams, you have desires, but it was buried because people used to tell you that you are too naive, it is impossible, it cannot be done. Today is the day that the dream should be revived because we are a covenanted people with God. Are you with me, church? Don't come to church every week. Oh God, I am so defeated. God, the last six days have been so horrible. Don't think like that. Don't live like that. Yesterday, I told our Saturday service, some of the people in our midst, <coughs> you should aspire to be the CEO of your bank. Why not? So that God can work in you and the world will know that God will work through you. Some of you, you're working in a school, maybe it's time you change that thought. I should own a school. I have Dr. Debbie here. She got to be the top specialist, the top gynae in our country. That at the end of people's lips, always Dr. Debbie. One of our baptism candidates today, Yin, is a pediatric, pediatric cardiologist. It should be at the end of people's mouth. If you're looking for a pediatric cardiologist, could you look for him? He's the influencer of the country. Some of us here, you got to be the best banker. Some of us here, you got to be the best in all the fields that you are in, in the business that you are in. Stop thinking that you are not good enough. God is jealous for you for a reason, church. God is jealous for you so that you can enjoy Him forever and the enjoyment can start now. Whatever dreams, whatever hopes, whatever thing that maybe had broken, the world tells you, the people tell you, you will never measure up, you're never good enough. I think that should die today and we should learn to live according to what God tells us. And everybody say, Amen. Some of you should own the largest chain store. Why must be somebody else? Some of you should write the best songs, be the best choreographer, dancer. Our church should continue to produce life-changing productions. Our church should continue to produce talents that is reflective of the God who is in us. And everybody say, can we don't be average anymore? Are you guys with me? Can we don't come to church like we are a defeated people anymore? Can we don't come to church every week like, oh no, let's see what can do, God do for me. God has already given you everything. Whatever that you want to achieve, it's all possible because God, the God of the universe is living on the inside of you and everybody say, come on, let's give a big hand to Jesus. Hallelujah.